2: Welcome to Fruit Loops, episode 137. Bienvenidos, bitches. Buiti, binafi. And thank you so much for listening. Yeah, Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and the victims that we don't hear or know much about. Contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are straight, cis, white, able-bodied dudes. We just aren't. No, there are many well-documented cases of serial killers of color, and Fruit Loops is a podcast all about them. We will take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of serial killers and true crimes committed by people of color and the victims that the media and entertainment
1: commonly leave out because the news is racist. <laughs> Allegedly. And we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy, a Black Latinx woman, and I'm Beth, and I just happen to be white.
2: It's not her fault, yeah.
1: <laughs> We're not journalists, and investigators, or psychologists, just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Also, the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that, our opinions. Please send any questions or comments to Pod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 602-935-6294. And we may feature it on a future episode.
2: I forgot to tell you that I made up a song for our phone number to make it easy to remember. Oh, okay. <clears throat> okay. 602 602- Nine three five six two nine four uh, Also our website is FruitLoopsPod.com, and we use Fruit Loops Pod for all our social media. The footnotes for each episode can be found on our website. Plus, check it out for the different ways that you can support the show and become a
1: Fruit Loops patron. Yeah. So what are we talking about today, Beth? Today we're talking about Colin Ferguson, a black man who in 1993 shot up a trained car full of passengers, killing six and wounding 19. So this is a spree killing rather than a serial killing, but we're doing it anyway. Hey. And this story was suggested to us by Andrea via email, and mm. it was researched by Maria. Yeah,
2: hip-hop air horns for all of that stuff. Yeah. Maria
1: and Andrea, all the things. Thank you yeah. Now, before we get into it, how are you doing? I'm doing good. So uh, I was talking about uh, before how stressed out I was, we had the She, uh, what, she Podcast live. We did that. It went great. Uh-huh. Um, I had a lot of work. And then my yep. daughter and my grandson came to, to live with me. So. I got, mm. uh, I got a baby in the house. Well, he's not a baby anymore. He's seven, <laughs> but still yeah. he's, he's, uh, I'm used to living by myself and, and it's, it's just been different. So, yeah. uh, yeah, <laughs> but Woo. it's good. It's good. I took him, uh, I signed him up for a basketball class and oh. I took him this morning and it, oh. he's just so excited to be playing basketball and oh, he, man. he, yeah. So that's
2: it's so cool. awesome. Yeah. That- I, um, so I've been asking for years for Beth to adopt me, but she won't. <laughs> um, but she is, she is like an amazing grandma. Aw, like, thanks. Uh, the, I mean, it just, it's like, you'd love to see it. It just brings me joy to see you grandma-ing. And grandma-ing isn't just when you're around the kids. It occurs it's like all the time, all like the time, yeah. buy, buying things. Uh, yep. Like Sometimes I'll just walk up on her and I'm like, what are you doing? Buying stuff for my grandson. Like, it's just <laughs> all the time. Whoa, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just cutting out pictures of my grandson. Like, it's just, she's just always, always loving on that grandbaby. And yeah, I'm jealous. I do love him. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, but, you know, a, an adjustment, uh, understandably so. Um, but you are just, you're killing it. You're well, killing it in the grandma rap game. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: thank you.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: We're we're uh we're trying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, things over here are great. Um we got a new we're recording on a new day, right? So yeah, yeah. um because of all the all changes the things, going on yeah. in yeah, in all of our lives. Um and uh so the kids and I went on a on a hike this morning And like <laughs> it was just Complain City. There's this mountain behind our house. Uh, and we call it Booty Mountain. I think I've said <laughs> this before because the mountain looks like a butt. If right, you right. Uh, are Splitting far away enough from it, and, yes, yeah. exactly. So we hike up, hike up the butt crack, and the kids just weren't feeling it this morning, uh-huh. you know. But um, there is something to be said about like being just being outdoors. Like, I, oh yeah, it's great. I, uh, yeah, I was kind of struggling with um, my my depression and anxiety for for a minute back there, and um, just being outside is really helpful. For yeah, me. it so is. So I recommend yeah, that it.
1: sunshine, the yeah, fresh air, fresh air yeah. the possibility the wild you could die. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's, it's great. <laughs> all of that is fantastic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, well, uh, glad we're here. And uh, let's get into some listener letters. Yeah.
1: Well, hello, angels. What's up, angels? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's in that bag, Beth? Well, I wanted to say thank you to Taylor Goodall for your five-star review. Oh, yes.
2: yes. Thank you.
1: <laughs> and we got a Facebook message from Becky aka Bex who said, "Hey, Wendy and Beth love the pod, especially when Wendy says someone gets a bag of dicks." <laughs> See, I come from Seattle where we have a drive-in restaurant called Dick's. It's been around forever, has like four different burgers, one size fries, soda and milkshakes and cones. So we Seattleites love to go get a bag of dicks so we can eat some
2: dicks. <laughs> 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 Hell Woo-hoo! yeah. I yeah. love you both.
1: My family is multiracial and all genders and sexuality. So I love what you do. Forever your fan, Bex. Oh, Bex. <laughs> Thank you, you, Bex
2: thank you yeah they pop air horns to you um absolutely so I, I lived in spokane washington uh for a time and went to dick's a few times great food unfortunately the one in spokane at that time bad crowd oh no too much confederate memorabilia oh, for my taste yeah anyway uh Eat so, a bag of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> go to dick's get you some fries but don't <laughs> stay if you see any confederate flags all right uh
1: now, uh, is there anything else in that mailbag? Yeah, we got a sweet message from Kenneth, who suggested that we should have a TV show, like on the ID channel or something. <laughs> And yes. you know what? We could not agree more. So hook us up, Kenneth. Yeah, hook it up, Kenneth. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. And then we also got some bad reviews. Uh, we Ooh. got a review from someone who was upset because we pronounced some victims' names cr- incorrectly. And they okay. surmised that we did it because they were white. And oh. uh, FYI, we don't we don't do that. We don't no. discriminate. We try no, to respect definitely. all the victims. Mm-hmm. I'm white. Um, Wendy's I'm not. got a white husband. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah we we you know, we don't hate white people. No, and not at all. We do our best to pronounce the victims' names correctly, but we are human. Yes. Um, we're unaware which case this was or the victims' names that we pronounced incorrectly, which leads me to another bad review, which complained about spelling errors, and we do our best, but I'm sure there's typos out there. Yeah. Um, but if you don't tell us where they are and you don't tell us which names we uh, pronounced incorrectly, we can't fix it. So Right. Y'all, we encourage constructive criticism. Go, You know, we want to make the podcast better, so yeah. go ahead and send constructive criticism, but we'd appreciate it if you have anything for us. Uh, please email us and be specific so we can yeah. fix it. Exactly. Otherwise, we have no idea what you're talking about, I and I don't know what to fix. <laughs> I, I know. I'm like, okay, so okay. I said, and yeah. there's nothing I can do about there's, it? Thanks. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the misspelling was, but I can't fix it, so sorry. I'm sure, I, I'm sure it was my fault but i don't know where it is <laughs> <laughs> so help me
2: <laughs> and that's uh, it <laughs> all right um i appreciate you um uh, asking uh for help in that way because uh yeah, we, I, we, yeah we're here for it.
1: like we want to make the podcast as best as we can so
2: absolutely yeah so help us yeah. um so uh, we got some new patrons patreons and cash app donations our patreon uh, is marcy m uh and also uh shout out to bert because bert helped us immensely uh, yeah with that recent episode we did and plus he gave yep. us a bunch of gems for um old episodes that we had corrections see that's how you do that's it. that's how you do it. Uh, yeah and then uh we got a cash app from joyce k and Alyssa d Alyssa d sorry is a new Padre patron so here are your tunes hope you don't hate them because if you do it's too late there's nothing i can do about them love <laughs> you boo okay Come on, Marcy! Oh, I swear, what we mean at this moment—you mean everything to me. (laughs) Oh, Marcy! (laughs) Okay, and then, uh, Bert, this is this is for you. Uh, I have a feeling Bert could be a J. Cole fan, but if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, boo. (laughs) Uh. Okay. You see the drop top, Bert, stop playing with me. You see the drop top, Bert, stop playing with me. He said he want to pick, so we posted in on IG. He said he want to help, so thank you, homie. You see the drop top, Bert, stop playing with me. (laughs) Okay, a little shaky there, but Bert, uh, we love you. Yeah, thank you. All right, Joyce. Now, the joy of, <laughs> of my world is in true crime. Now, the joy of my world is in true crime. Okay, and then, Alyssa, this is for you. Alyssa is a new patron. Thanks for all you do to support the show. <laughs> Alyssa <laughs> is a new patron. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thank you. Okay. <laughs> thank Ooh, you so much for supporting our one. show. Yeah, double whammy. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's take a quick break, and then we'll get into the story when we come back.
1: All right.
0: It's not just about the stories, but also the science and psychology behind them. So if you're interested in true crime or mental health, I'd encourage you to give my show a listen wherever you get podcasts.
1: stress. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Fruit Loop serial killers of color. Listeners get 10% off their first
2: month at BetterHelp.com fruit. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash fruit. All right, uh we're back and remind us Beth who is our subject today.
1: Well, it's Colin Ferguson who on December 7th, 1993, boarded a passenger train in New York and began shooting. By the time he was done, six people were dead and 19 were wounded.
2: All right, so now let's get into some stats, y'all. <laughs> So this case, uh, there were six people killed and 19 injured. Um, I am going to read off the names of the people killed. We sh- also, uh, want to be respectful of the victims who were wounded and still survive. So we'll keep, we'll put their names in the show notes yeah, or on, on our website. Um, so you can find them. Um, and so the victims who were killed were Amy F- uh, Federici, a 27-year-old corporate interior designer from Minola uh, James Goricki, a 51-year-old account executive from Minola Mi Kyung Kim, a 27-year-old New Hyde Park resident, Maria Teresa Tumangan Magdoto, a 30-year-old lawyer from Westbury, Dennis McCarthy, a 52-year-old office manager from Minola and husband of Carolyn McCarthy, uh, who survived and uh Richard Nettleson a 24-year-old college student from Roslyn Heights. Okay. Now, uh now we're going to get into the setting. Take us there, Beth.
1: Colin Ferguson was born in Kingston, Jamaica. The original inhabit- inhabitants of Jamaica are believed to be the Arawaks, which also, which are also called Tainos. Hmm. And by the way, Wendy is Garifina, and Garifuna yes, is an Arawakan language. Hmm. They came from South America 2,500 years ago and named the island Jemaca, which meant land of wood and water. So
2: the Arawaks led quiet and peaceful lives until they were invaded by the Spanish sometime after 1494. The Spaniards enslaved, tortured, and killed the Arawaks to get their land. The Arawaks were then overworked and ill treated by the Spaniards and the introduction of European diseases to which the Arawak had little to no resistance meant that within a short time they were all wiped out I don't know if y'all know this but Europeans lived disgusting dirty lives livestock <laughs> throwing their shit in the streets meanwhile the Arawaks and indigenous people of the world like you know had pristine waterways very clean yeah very clean kept their livestock like away from where they ate and shit like come on (laughs) y'all. And when these white people arrived, the white people, I think, um, it's written somewhere that they, the white, the Spanish conquistadors wrote in their journals, they must have believed they we were gods because they showered us with um, incense and lovely smelling herbs. It's <laughs> because y'all smell like fucking shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you stink. So <laughs> so again, they introduced all these European diseases and wiped a lot of the, po- these, the this population out. And the myth is that Europeans were superior and that's why they were able to conquer indigenous and African people. But a huge factor in colonization, was the fact that Europeans brought diseases. Yeah. And when yeah. half the population is wiped out, oh, look, all of a sudden the odds become favor. more yeah.
1: favorable. Yeah. 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 Few Spaniards actually settled in Jamaica and it served mainly as a supply base. Food, men, arms, and horses were shipped there to help in conquering the American mainland. And on May 10th, 1655, the English led a su- successful attack on Jamaica. The Spaniards surrendered to the English, freed their slaves, and fled to Cuba. It was this set freed slaves and their descendants who became known to the English as the Maroons.
2: Maroons are descendants of Africans in the Americas who formed settlements away from slavery. They often mix with indigenous peoples, eventually evolving into separate Creole cultures such as Garifuna and Mascogos. But these people did not refer to themselves as Maroons. They preferred the term Coromanti, which pays tribute to one of their last visions of home, the West African coast of the same name. Coromantins organized dozens of slave rebellions in Jamaica and elsewhere in the Americas.
1: During the early period of English settlement in Jamaica, there were many buccaneers based in Port Royal in Jamaica. Buccaneers were people who attacked and stole from ships at sea, basically pirates or privateers. Privateers are different from pirates in that they were actually allowed by a government to do this in the 17th and 18th centuries.
2: Oh, so government-sanctioned robbery Piratry. and theft. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, Port Royal, prior to this time, was insignificant. was an insignificant town in Jamaica. Under the buccaneers' leadership, the town grew to become known as one of the quote wealthiest and wickedest cities in the world. Yep. Unquote. But a violent earthquake destroyed Port Royal on June seventh, sixteen ninety two, and the survivors of the earthquake resettled in Kingston.
1: The English settlers concerned themselves with growing crops that could easily be easily sold in England, such as tobacco in and cocoa. But sugar soon became the main crop for the island. The sugar industry grew so rapidly that the 57 sugar estates on the island in 1673 grew to nearly 430 by 1739.
2: Ooh, wow. No, a and uh, sugar uh, is a very lucrative crop. It yeah. is also a very difficult crop to harvest. Yes. Those, those sugar canes are sharp as shit. Yeah. Uh, and white people couldn't be bothered to do it. So, a reason another reason why the industry grew is because enslavement, the chattel slavery grew as well. Right. Um, enslaved Africans filled the large labor force required for this industry, but enslaved people in Jamaica rebelled whenever they could. Many of them were successful in ruining... Running away, ruining away, running away from the plantations and joining the Coromantins in the mountains. After two major wars between British and Coromantins, uh, treaties were signed. In the Treaty of 1740, Coromantins were given land and rights as free people, and the slave trade was finally abolished in 1808, with full freedom being granted in 1838.
1: During the depression of the 1930s, the banana industry was hit by disease and sugar prices fell. Growing unemployment and a steeply rising population growth rate put Jamaica in great distress. In 1938, things came to a head with widespread violence and rioting. Out of these problems came the formation of the first labor unions and the formation of two major political parties in Jamaica. Mm. The first general election was held in December of 1944 and on August 6, 19 1862, Jamaica was granted full independence from England.
2: Fantastic. Yeah. The population of Jamaica today is approximately three million. Three million, with <laughs> almost one million <laughs> located in Kingston Town. Jamaica's population is overwhelmingly of African descent and the most common ethnic groups among Africans taken to Jamaica for slavery during the 17th century were the Coromanti and the Igbo people from present-day
1: Nigeria. The second largest racial group is multiracial Jamaicans. Most mixed-race people in the country self-report as just Jamaican, as you would. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Jamaicans of African descent represent approximately 76% of the population, followed by 15% Afro-European, 3% East Indian and Afro-East Indian, 3% Caucasian, 1% Chinese and Point eight percent other.
2: Most Chinese Jamaicans are Hakka people from the Guangdong province in China, the area known as Shenzhen, and can trace their origin to the Chinese laborers that came to Jamaica in the mid-19th to early
1: 20th centuries. After slavery was abolished, the Hakka Chinese first came to Jamaica as indentured servants in 1854. So they traded these enslaved people for uh, indentured Chinese servants. So Ooh, great. that's great. That's gross. Yeah. <laughs> One ship came directly from China, the second ship transported 472 individuals that had been working on the Panama Canal. They were contracted for plantation work and for building a railway line. A further 200 would, would arrive in the years up until 1870, mostly from other Caribbean islands. Later in 1884, a third wave of 680 Chinese migrants would arrive.
2: Believe it or not, Chinese Jamaicans had a big influence on reggae music, and I did not know this. I um, didn't either. Loves so. reggae, but I yeah. um, heard an interview um, on the Breakfast Club, and anyway, there's a small group of Chinese session musician, producers, sound engineers, and studio and record shop owners that were the early pioneers of reggae that has evolved into the Jamaican music today. You know, uh, dance hall, um, all those things. Yeah, Miss Pat Chin is a living legend. Yeah, her interview was what. Put me on all of this. The head of VP Records, which is behind popular global Caribbean music artists, including Sean Depal. Sean Paul? You know who that is, right?
1: Uh, no. Snoop Lion. Nope. Nope. I don't oh, know. Okay. I don't know okay. those guys. Sorry. Well,
2: Sean, yeah. Sean Paul's a very famous Jamaican uh, reggae
1: artist. The name sounds familiar, but I don't. And Snoop Lion, I've never heard of. Uh,
2: Sean Paul. Oh, boy, you stay on my mind. You feel my fantasy. Girl, tell me how you feel. No? Nope. <laughs> no, nope. nope. Okay. And Snoop Lion is just Snoop Dogg. Uh, he transformed himself into a oh, reggae artist. how cute. <laughs> that is so cute. <laughs> uh, it's just, uh, it. re-
1: It's a reggae alter ego.
2: But uh, right. let look, cool, cool, cool. move on.
1: Sorry. <laughs> now let's talk about where the crime took place in Long Island in New York. Hmm. Long Island is made up of Queens, Brooklyn, Nassau County, and Suffolk County. Enslaved people were first brought to the region in 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 1654, by Nathaniel Sylvester to Sylvester's Manor on Shelter Island to begin working on plantations. By
2: 1720, there was about one enslaved person for every 10 settlers on Long Island. And by the 1730s, more people were enslaved on Long Island than anywhere else in the northern colonies. Yikes! By
1: 1827,
2: many laws were in place so enslaved people could gain their freedom.
1: But that did not end slavery in the north. In that Mm. same year, one in five residents of Suffolk County were black, freed and enslaved. The black population today has decreased from around 20 percent to 12 percent as of 2020.
2: Now we're going to get into the killer's early life. Yeah. So Colin Ferguson was born in Kingston, Jamaica on January 14th, 1958 to Von Herman and May Ferguson. Von Herman was a wealthy pharmacist and Colin, along with four brothers, Herman, Richard, Winston and David, lived. You, you found all four of their names. <laughs> I only found two. <laughs> lived, they lived a sheltered, affluent life. Von Hermann had been born in Cuba, where his grandfather had worked in the German embassy. Colin's father was named after Hermann Göring, the Nazi air marshal. And to that I say, what the fuck? Yeah, that <laughs> makes
1: no sense whatsoever. None. It is, none.
2: It's, uh, <laughs> what it's, it's scratching scratching my head yeah, intensely. Yeah.
1: The Fergusons lived in a two-story home in an affluent suburb of Kingston called Havendale. And they had a nanny and a housekeeper. Havendale has been described as a, quote, tropical version of life. Long Island. Unquote. Sounds nice. Hmm. Hmm. Von Herman had close ties to Jamaica's Asian community and would frequent Kingston's Chinatown.
2: A family friend recalled Colin as a quote, fat little jovial sort of happy-go-lucky kid, unquote. Uh-huh. Yeah, he attended Meadowbrook Preparatory School in from 1969 to 1974, and he attended Calabar High School, one of Jamaica's most
1: prestigious private all-boy schools. Calabar was founded in 1912 by British missionaries to serve the elite of Jamaican society. Every morning, classes began at 7.40 a.m. with prayer. Colin was remembered as a quiet boy, an average student, and the star goalkeeper on his school's soccer team. Okay. Promising
2: young man so far. Yeah. Now, when Colin was 20, his father died in a car crash. A year later, his mother died of cancer. This destroyed his family's wealth and left Colin destitute and deeply disturbed. Disturbed or oh, I think Oh, disturbed. disturbed. <laughs> 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 I was going to say, maybe that's another fancy <laughs> that's another Another fancy word I never word heard. from Beth, yeah. So, <laughs> his his brothers went to live with relatives or take jobs, but Colin, dissatisfied with his prospects in Jamaica, emigrated to the United States in September of 1982 when he was
1: just 24 years old. He was frustrated with racism in the United States early on, and he found it difficult to find work. He landed in Miami on a visitor's visa and moved to Long Beach, California, where by 1984, he was working as a clerk at Eddie's Liquor and Junior market stores. Edward Snow Jr., whose family owned the 40-store chain, said Mr. Ferguson worked there for a year and then quit without explanation. He recalled a smart young man with a chip on his shoulder, disdainful of work he considered beneath him.
2: Now, uh, Ron Ricky, a former security chief for the chain, remembered Mr. Ferguson as a defensive loner, easily offended and often angry about racial matters. Uh, well, I mean, can you blame him? Now, yeah. Ricky said, quote, I was always uncomfortable going to whatever store he was working. It was his attitude, always very prejudiced with general hatred toward everyone, even some Blacks, unquote. I'm going to say Ron Rickey is a white guy who finds this Black guy uppity For speaking, it's mine. Uh-oh. I said it. Hot
1: (laughs) take. By 1986, Mr. Ferguson, now 28, had moved to Long Island in search of a better life. On May 13th, he married Audrey M. Warren, a woman of Jamaican descent, but a United States citizen. The marriage entitled him to permanent residency in the country.
2: Come play with us. Get ready for your starring role in a
1: thrilling
2: adventure full of hidden clues, immersive scenes, danger, and romance.
1: That's right. It's June's Journey. And you play June Parker, an amateur detective investigating a series of mysteries. Ooh, you'll put your powers of observation to the test. Sharpen your sleuthing skills, find objects, and claim rewards. The visuals are fire. It's like a party for your eyeballs. (laughs) As you play this thrilling adventure full of hidden clues, immersive scenes with danger and romance in full force.
2: Whether you're craving a good mystery or just need to get away
1: for a while June's Journey is the perfect game for you. It really is a sweet escape. I like to play when I need a mental pick-me-up. There is a detective in all of us.
2: Find your inner detective. Download June's Journey free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. So now we're going to get into the timeline. So the couple rented a Westbury, Long Island home. Neighbors recalled many persistent disputes between the couple. Ferguson did odd jobs, bought a car, and had a semblance of a normal life. In early 1987, he enrolled for the spring semester at Nassau Community College as a part-time student, taking accounting and business administration courses.
1: But his studies did not go well. He received a low grade in one course and was forced to leave another after a disciplinary hearing found he had been overly aggressive. Towards the teacher. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. Ferguson had also become increasingly aggressive towards Audrey, and it often ended in police intervention. Ferguson moved out in late 1987 and his wife won an uncontested divorce on May 18, 1988. Acquaintances said Ferguson was devastated by the breakup.
2: He took a basement apartment in a one-family home in Westbury with a male roommate who he frequently fought with. Ferguson found a clerical job with a Demco security group where he worked for 15 months months. Then on August 18, 1989, while standing on a stool pulling invoices from a file cabinet, Ferguson slipped and fell, suffering injuries to his head, neck, and back. I think it needs a backyotomy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Bacheotomy>. <laughs> he filed a claim for workers' compensation disability benefits and after several hearings was awarded $75 a week. Unable to work, he re-enrolled at Nassau Community College where he was a full-time student during the 1989 Nineteen ninety school year, and his grades were good enough for him to make the dean's list in the spring of nineteen ninety. Oh. A school official commented, "Quote: He was very intelligent, but certainly had interpersonal relationship problems." Unquote, and that's the the feeling that I'm getting. He's not so good with the people.
2: Yeah, but I will say, very intelligent. Like I saw, his, I watched the trial. <laughs> oh, did you really? Uh, not, not in real time, just on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, damn. He could have been a lawyer. Oh, wow. uh, So a little uh, spoiler alert. So Ferguson then transferred to Adelphi University in the fall of 1990, majoring in business administration. There are many accounts of Ferguson routinely calling out racism. Again, can you blame him? And during a symposium a professor gave on her sabbatical in South Africa, Ferguson tried to shout her down, yelling, quote, we should be talking about the revolution in South Africa and how to get rid of white people. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hot take alert. (laughs) And he also said, Uh, should kill everyone white whoa whoa unquote but that's not what (laughs) i'm talking about that is doesn't sound like a solution to anything no
1: no and we've talked about before uh how weird it is uh people's ideas of race wars and yeah yeah that's it sounds like kind of what he wants.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And I I, I, it doesn't really help anybody. No, Uh, I I will also say this, that, again, we've we've been under the impression for, I don't know, 500 years that white people who came in with their superior weapons were better at being in charge. But we're facing so many (laughs) crises I feel like at the hands of white supremacy and the pursuit of capitalism, right. Um, right. and to the detriment of our planet and poor BIPOC people. Yeah. And so um, I get the anger. I I also get that just by just eliminating one group of people, it doesn't it's not going to solve anything. No,
1: no. So Ferguson also complained to Dr. Alvin Macapella, who is black and head of campus minority affairs, that a white woman in a student library had shouted racial slurs at him. After the professor found the claim was groundless, Ferguson turned on him Huh. He threatened Dr. Macapella, and Ferguson was suspended from the university in June 1991 for his threats. He was free to re-enroll after that, but he did not. Instead, he moved to Brooklyn, where fellow residents said he was neat and kept to himself. Ferguson was unemployed, and he thought the only thing holding him back was white people.
2: Hmm. Well... On. In 1991, Ferguson rented a room in Brooklyn from Patrick Dennis, a black man. Dennis recalled that at first Ferguson was very respectful. He didn't talk much, just please and thank you. He did not drink alcohol or smoke or take drugs. He jogged, when f- went fishing at Sheepshead Bay and paid his rent on time. He began doing odd jobs around the neighborhood to supplement his disability checks.
1: In February of 1992, he was arrested and charged with harassing a white woman on the subway. The case never went to trial, but he later sent letters to New York City's police commissioner and others complaining that his arrest was, quote, vicious and racist, unquote. There is possibly some truth to this, although Mayor Dinkins was black. The police union at the time was overwhelmingly white and racist.
2: Yeah, I recall when Dinkins was running for mayor and I think Giuliani was running against him okay. and they I mean, Giuliani and the police unions, they had they turned his turned their back on Dinkins, they shouted racial slurs Ugh, at him. Awful. So and New York City's new NYPD has a long history of this. So I don't doubt that there's any truth. Long to... history
1: of fucked up bullshit. Exactly. <laughs> so
2: maybe he was doing something wrong, but I, I don't think that the police were doing everything right. right. Now on September twenty-first, nineteen ninety-two, after a series of hearings, the State Workers' Compensation Board approved a settlement in which Ferguson was awarded a total of twenty-six thousand two hundred and fifty dollars, including including the 4800 in weekly benefits he'd already received. Less than seven months later, Ferguson moved to reopen the case, claiming he was still having pain from the injury and seeking more money. Oh, <laughs> that's what happens with these workers' comp claims. They could go on for
1: years. Wow. Yeah. He reached out to a law firm to help him get more money. Attorney Lauren Abramson recalled that when Mr. Ferguson asked for a consultation, from the beginning, she felt something was wrong. She said, quote, I brought in a law clerk because I did not want to be alone with him. I've never done that before. I felt uncomfortable, unquote.
2: Hmm though Mr. Ferguson was neatly dressed, he behaved oddly. He gave her a false name before telling her his real name. And months later, he called and threatened the firm. According to Lauren Abramson, quote, he feels discriminated against by everything and everyone, unquote. And I would also say he might have acted odd giving a false name, but part of me thought maybe that's the immigrant in him. Oh, yeah. Under realizing, oh, if I come to the United States, they like to sue people here. I think I'm going to do the same, and um, not necessarily trusting how that how to go about how that works. That yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, that that makes sense. Yeah. Frustrated, Ferguson moved back to California in April of 1993 to search for better job opportunities, but he couldn't find anything stable in California. He was remembered as brash, arrogant, disdainful of me- the menial jobs he found, and critical of whites and even blacks who he thought were not militant enough. In- In California, he was robbed by two black men, which angered him and prompted him to purchase a Ruger P89 9mm pistol that he began carrying around with him in a paper bag.
2: Mm. And in May of 1993, Ferguson moved back to New York and again rented a room from his old landlord, Patrick Dennis. Dennis later said he was at that time becoming increasingly unstable. Quote, he had delusions of grandeur, he felt. I shouldn't be living here. I should be living in a mansion. He and I had some pretty animated discussions. We almost came to blows. I found his views
1: abhorrent. And uh, Patrick Dennis is a... Black man. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. According to Dennis, Ferguson said he did not like competing with Hispanics and immigrants for jobs. He was showering up to five times a day, and every night he read his Bible aloud and chanted mantras about all black people killing all the white people. Whoa. so, so yeah, mantras <laughs> aren't
2: supposed to say that. <laughs> no. They're supposed to talk about good things.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like uh, he's having some mental health issues.
2: Yeah, it kind of does sound that way. Uh. So, um... I was also going to say the fact that he's like critical has a chip on his shoulder. I know a lot of Caribbean people and, uh, they uh, like, I've, I've heard it said, um, nobody will hurt your feelings more than like a Caribbean auntie or a Caribbean, <laughs> a Caribbean mom. <laughs> I'm not saying that's my experience. I'm just saying that's what I heard. Okay, in case okay. My mom is listening. <laughs> Finally, Dennis, a black man who had been Ferguson's only acquaintance, but who was fed up with his racial obsessions, told him to move at the end of the month. Dennis had feared for some time that Mr. Ferguson was becoming dangerously unstable and he had grown tired of his, quote, endless racial righteousness, unquote.
1: Mr. Dennis said, quote, all black people are discriminated against. Ask anyone and they'll tell you stories that will curl your hair. But you can't take everything in life and say it's the product of racism. He took all his failures in life and gave it a name and made it a cause, unquote.
2: Yeah, actually, uh, I'm going to have to disagree with Mr. Dennis uh, because I, I, not, okay, everything isn't a product of racism, but also. It sounds
1: like that's what he was, he was doing though. He was uh, saying that everything was the fault of racism. so.
2: And white supremacy, which is also it, it, wrapped in the white supremacy bag, is yeah. patriarchy, um, uh, misogyny, xenophobia and racism and right. um, uh, uh, war against the poor. So anybody who's not I mean, really, I think you could put any marginalized group in this statement. All, all women are discriminated against. All um which I I is I'm just saying I get the I get that it's coming from a place of oppression which right. is all around us yes but also yeah, I can't, we I, can't control everything we can't like I I am afraid of my son getting somebody thinking he's scary and calling the police on him right right but I there's nothing I can do about other people's fear I just have to try to teach my son we have to figure out how we can handle this you right know what I mean right so,
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, on December 7th, 1993, Ferguson purchased a ticket at Pennsylvania Station in New York and boarded the third car of the eastbound Long Island Railroad, 533 p.m. commuter train in Hicksville, along with 80 other passengers. He sat on the western end of the car carrying his handgun and a canvas bag filled with 160 rounds of ammunition. That's a lot.
1: Yeah, that's a lot. (laughs) When the train approached the Marion Avenue station in Garden City Park, New York, near Adelphi University... Ferguson drew the gun, dropped several cartridges on the ground, stood up, and started opening fire on the passengers. Terrifying. Yeah. Some
2: passengers mistook the gunshots for caps or fireworks until a woman shouted, He's got a gun! He's shooting people! Ferguson walked east on the train, pulling the trigger steadily about every half second. Passengers tried to hide beneath their seats, while others fled to the eastern end of the train and tried to go into the next car.
1: Ferguson walked down the aisle of the train, repeating, quote, I'm going to Get you unquote. Oh my God, that's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He shot people to his left and right as he passed each seat, briefly facing each victim before firing. The New York Times later wrote the motions were quote as methodical as if he were taking tickets unquote.
2: Wow. Yeah, that really paints the picture. Yeah, and it's horrifying. Other passengers. farther away in the train did not realize a shooting had occurred until after the train stopped. A crowd of panicked passengers fled from the third car into neighboring cars. One man appeared annoyed by their distress and said, be calm, before
1: they forced a train door open and fled into the station. Two people were injured in the stampede of passengers. After the train's engineer was informed of the shooting, he decided against opening the train doors right away because two of the cars were not yet at the platform. An announcement was made ordering conductors not to open the door. However, one conductor climbed out of a train window and opened the door of the third car from the outside so panicked passengers could escape. I think
2: he did the right thing.
1: Yeah, that's uh, uh, th- th- terrifying.
2: Terrifying, yeah. And uh, whenever people say stay calm when something bad is happening,
1: I'm just thinking, I just what? want to punch him in the face. Why? <laughs>
2: no, I will
1: not. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna uh, scream so, and run <laughs> exactly, exactly get out of my way exactly
2: <laughs> uh and uh so now we're gonna get into the investigation and the arrest so during three minutes of rapid gunfire ferguson killed six people and injured 19 others ferguson emptied two 15 round magazines
1: during the shooting
2: wow. while reloading his third magazine somebody yelled grab him
1: Whoa. Passengers Michael O'Connor, Kevin Blum, and Mark McEntry tackled Ferguson and pinned him to one of the train seats. Other passengers ran forward to grab his arms and legs and help hold him down. While he was pinned, Ferguson reportedly said, quote, Oh, God, what did I do? What did I do? I deserve whatever I get, unquote. Andrew Roderick, an off-duty Long Island Railroad policeman who was picking up his wife from the train, boarded the train car and handcuffed Ferguson. Wow. Yeah.
2: Now, police... Det- so he knew what he did was wrong. Right. <laughs> uh, which is important later. So police detectives later said it appeared Ferguson had been planning the shooting for more than a week. None of Ferguson's victims were Black, although it is unclear if there actually were any Black passengers on board this train, you know, given where it was coming from. And right, where it right.
1: Was Ferguson showed no emotion as he sat in the back of the police car, which some passengers said was as shocking and disturbing as the violence of the shooting itself. Upon seeing Ferguson, one of the victims became hysterical and shouted, quote, how can he be sitting there so calm after everything he did? Unquote.
2: After arresting Ferguson, police found pieces of notebook paper in his pocket with scribbled notes with the heading reasons for this. One of the notes referred to racism by Caucasians and Uncle Tom Negroes. They included a reference to, quote, the false allegations made against me by the filthy Caucasian racist female on the number one line, you know who you are. Just kidding, it doesn't <laughs> say it. Unquote. And that's a reference to his February 1992 arrest.
1: Ferguson's notes expressed anger towards the New York State Workers' Compensation Board, Asians, New York Governor Mario Cuomo, and, quote, so called civil rights leaders such as Reverend Herbert Dardy, C. Vernon Mason, and Calvin But.
2: So I was just going to say, welcome to Culture Corner. I gather from some of the sources I used for this case that it is puzzling how Ferguson, a black man, could accuse non-white people like Asians and Uncle Tom Negroes of racism. Right. Right. And the fact of the matter is that anti-blackness is a global phenomenon and black people are found all around the world. So this, you know, is not just the United States, but in the U.S. It should be noted that the fight against oppression has countless examples of multiracial coalitions working together successfully. Um, I recall seeing photographs of when Malcolm X was killed. The person who was next to, by his side first was an Asian woman. Um, But there are also examples of the opposite. Most recently uh, during COVID-19, there were attacks um, by other BIPOC people onto Asian communities, which was horrifying to see. And the point is the real enemy enemy here, the real bitch, the real evil one is white supremacy. However, white supremacy, even including things like patriarchy, doesn't require people of that group. It doesn't require white people to carry out. I could still be a terrible woman to other women, even though yeah. I am not a man.
1: Right, um, right. And so
2: the same is true. So anyone, even by a BIPOC person, can be capable of being an agent of white supremacy. So that, I think, is where Ferguson is coming from, right. though his views might be <laughs> hyperbolic or skewed towards the kind uh, of overboard.
1: Yeah, yeah. Good good point. Thank you. Ferguson's notes also included the names and telephone numbers of the New York lieutenant governor, the attorney general's office, and the Manhattan law firm Ferguson previously threatened, who Ferguson referred to as, quote, those corrupt black attorneys who not only refused to help me, but tried to steal my car, unquote.
2: Whoa, wow, okay. Now, see, when when they tried to help me, when they refused my help, that was one thing. But when they tried to steal my car, man, that is gone too far. Now, the notes indicated Ferguson planned to wait to start the killings until after he was beyond the New York City limits out of respect for outgoing New York City Mayor David Dinkins. Now, remember, he was the first black mayor of New York City and Ferguson claims to be very pro black. So, New York City police com- uh, uh, and also New York City police commissioner Raymond Kelly. So, he wanted to be out of the city to, um, I guess, not hurt. Out of respect for their them. reputations.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ferguson showed no remorse during hours of questioning from the Nassau County District Attorney's Office officials there said quote he was lucid and clear and aware of what was going on unquote
2: Ferguson was arraigned on December 8 1993 in a Long Island courtroom he never spoke during the arraignment and did not enter a plea he was committed to prison without bail as he was escorted from the courthouse a reporter asked him if he hated whites to which Ferguson replied quote it's a lie unquote every man Major credible representative of the black community, including Reverend Jesse Jackson and Reverend Al Sharpton, denounced Ferguson immediately and repeatedly. And I wanted to say When uh, Dylan Roof or any other uh, when Timothy McVeigh blew up all those people in Oklahoma City, did any white leaders come out and say, no, no, this is not this is not who we are. (laughs) You know, only black people uh, or marginalized people have to do this because Culture Corner, we carry the reputation of our entire race or group on our backs. And when one of us fails, we feel like we all fail. When
1: one of us succeeds,
2: we feel like we all succeed. Yeah. All
1: right. Now we're going to get into the trial. (laughs) Hit it, Bev! Ferguson's court-appointed attorney called for his client to receive a psychiatric evaluation. Under New York state law, an insanity defense would require Ferguson's lawyers to prove he had suffered from a mental disease or defect, and as a result, could not tell whether his actions were right or wrong. At the time, lawyers and mental health experts said such a defense would be difficult because Ferguson appeared to have carefully planned the attacks and because of what he said right after the attack.
2: Right. Dr. Alan Reichman, a psychiatrist who interviewed Ferguson, indicated in his report that Ferguson may have been feigning mental illness. Uh Oh, when he spoke of conspiracies against him on January 5th, 1994, a report by a court appointed psychologist and psychiatrist concluded Ferguson was competent to stand trial.
1: And on January 19th, a grand jury handed up a 93-count indictment against Ferguson, which carried the possibility of up to 175 years in prison. The indictment included two counts of murder for each slain victim, both for intentional murder and for depraved indifference to human life. Nassau County District Attorney Dennis Dillon said he would not agree to any plea bargain in the case.
2: Depraved indifference to human life. I feel like yeah. that should be used more often. Yeah. Um, so on March 1st, 1994, Will. William Kunstler and Ron Kuby, law partners known for representing unpopular clients, accepted a request by Ferguson to handle his case. Kunstler said Ferguson had been made out to be a pariah By the media and the public.
1: Starting at about a week into his incarceration, Ferguson began complaining about his treatment, claiming correction officers attacked him with milk crates and a fire extinguisher while depriving him of necessities like soap and antiperspirant.
2: And on March 23rd, while returning to his cell from the medical unit, Ferguson was attacked. In jail by a group of inmates. Yikes. Ferguson suffered a broken nose and swollen left eye. Prison officials had been notified by Ron Kuby that an assault was imminent and were allegedly in the process of following up on the warning when Ferguson was attacked.
1: Hmm. Kuby called the attack racially motivated and said that jail officials and guards had advanced knowledge of the assault. Five inmates were charged with second degree assault for their connection in the attack. Later, Ron Kuby argued Ferguson had been a frequent target of harassment at the Nassau County Jail and requested the United States Department of Justice to intervene to ensure Ferguson's safety.
2: And it's not unusual for guards to be aware of violence against other inmates and not necessarily intervene yeah so in november of 1994 ferguson's lawyers claimed prison guards taunted him with claims that the election of governor george pataki a death penalty supporter meant ferguson would be executed if found guilty ferguson's lawyers claimed prison guards showed him the headlines of newspaper stories about pataki and claimed ferguson was headed for electrocution sometime soon.
1: Ferguson was deeply troubled by the claims, despite assurances from his attorneys that the death penalty could only be imposed in crimes after a capital punishment bill became law. Ferguson was not reassured until after the judge told him the same thing at the request of Kunstler.
2: Kunstler and QB proposed an innovative defense that Ferguson had been driven to temporary insanity by a psychiatric condition they termed Black Rage. Kunstler and QB argued Ferguson had been driven insane by racial prejudice and could not be held criminally liable for his actions even though he had committed the killings.
1: Interesting. Racism or discrimination based on race or ethnicity is a key contributing factor in the onset of disease. It Mm. is also responsible for increasing disparities in physical and mental health among BIPOC, or Black, Indigenous, and people of color. Stress can elevate blood pressure and weakens the immune system, which in turn raises the risk of developing long-term health conditions. Discrimination is linked to higher rates of smoking, alcohol use, drug use and unhealthy eating habits, increased inflammation, high risk of heart disease and kidney disease. Verbal and physical assaults can cause PTSD. And these are true for adults and young people.
2: Racism and discrimination are contributing factors to disease in general. By right, suffered right, by right. BIPOC people. That's and what it, I understood. I guess yeah. And uh, okay, I, d- I only put it in there to highlight that racism doesn't just affect you um, physically. Like people don't just have to like kill you or string you up by a tree. Right. Um, it doesn't also... just
1: affect you just like mentally. It, it, yeah. It, well, it affects you mentally, and then it it translates to physical ailments. Yeah. Thank you. I, I totally yes. got that. Yeah.
2: Okay. I just was okay. I wasn't sure. Anyway, hip hop air horns. <laughs> to them for being the best white lady I know. Now, the attorneys compared the black rage defense to the utilization of the battered woman defense, post-traumatic stress disorder and the child abuse syndrome in other cases to negate criminal accountability. QB said the notes carried by Ferguson on the day of his arrest demonstrated that
1: Ferguson was motivated
2: by rage during the shootings.
1: However, Ferguson started to claim that he was not involved in the Long Island railroad shootings at all and repeatedly what? refused to meet with a psychiatrist chosen by Kunstler and Kuby. Ferguson told the attorneys he was receiving messages straight from God and spoke Uh-oh. of conspiracies to destroy him by those opposed to God.
2: Wow, he's all over the map. Yeah. On August 12th, Kunstler and QBS judged. Belfi to reconsider Ferguson's competence to stand trial, claiming he was growing more delusional, paranoid and obsessive by the day, and that he was too mentally unbalanced for them to mount any kind of defense. George Peck, the prosecutor in Ferguson's trial, insisted Ferguson's apparent lack of cooperation with his lawyers was a defense
1: tactic to avoid a trial. On August 20th, Ferguson appeared before Belfi and rejected his lawyer's efforts to have him declared mentally unfit to stand trial. Ferguson spoke in a long and rambling manner, occasionally ignoring Belfi when the judge tried to interrupt him. Ferguson claimed a police officer who escorted him from Nassau County Jail said to him, quote, you realize someone else, in fact, was actually responsible for the shooting, unquote.
2: Oh, oh, really?
1: <laughs> when asked if Ferguson understood the role of the prosecuting attorney, Ferguson responded, quote, to perpetrate injustices against me, unquote.
2: Mm. Okay. Well, you know, uh, he's not entirely wrong, historically <laughs> speaking, but in this instance, uh, so counselor and QB argued Ferguson's behavior was indicative of his mental imbalance, but Belfi refused the lawyer's request to reconsider his competence, citing the original psychiatric report that concluded Ferguson was able to understand the charges against him and was malingering in an attempt to create an impression that was that he was mentally imbalanced and unable to cooperate with his attorney.
1: When Belfi ended the proceeding, Ferguson tried to continue talking. After he was placed into handcuffs by guards, Ferguson shouted, quote, they have made it too tight, unquote. And then he collapsed to the floor.
2: (laughs) Oh, I saw that clip. Did you? Yeah, he was. Yeah, because they were like, get up. And he was like, (laughs) no, I'm not going to get up until you uh, loosen this. And then he shouted, they made it too tight. And he just fell.
1: But I wasn't sure if he was pushed or what what happened yeah he he yeah. had to be dragged from the courtroom and just <laughs> <Okay>. dist- <laughs> yeah there's some drama <laughs> yeah whoa district attorney dennis Dillon suggested kunstler was trying to create such a bizarre situation that the court would reverse its earlier ruling regarding ferguson's competence
2: i guess i understand why they think that because yeah. he's do he is doing he's the doing most.
1: some weird things yeah, yeah
2: but you know, I, um, I, I don't know. I
1: think he just has mental health issues.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that was my impression. But, you know, this was the 90s and we weren't so good about identifying and acknowledging those kinds of things. Yeah. Um On September 20th, Kunstler and QB filed notice that they would pursue an insanity defense despite the objections of their client. Ferguson continued to claim he was not involved in those shootings and proposed defending himself during the trial.
1: In the following months, Ferguson sent Judge Belfi several letters regarding disputes between Ferguson Künstler and Kuby. Ferguson claimed in the letters that he was not insane and rejected Kunstler's and Kuby's Black Rage defense. Although George Peck argued the letters proved Ferguson was able to understand the charges against him and was actively participating in his defense, Kuby argued the letters only further demonstrated Ferguson's confused state of mind.
2: So the Black conspiracy theorist in me was thinking that the Black Rage defense uh, that maybe for, somebody convinced Ferguson that he had to reject it because if oh. the Black Rage defense had really been used or put on trial um, in that uh, this American climate during in the O.J. times, uh, right, it might have right. it might have been. Too explosive for American audiences and the legal system to handle. That's just my conspiracy. Never heard it anywhere. Just popped into my (laughs) (laughs) brain. So now, on November 11th, Ferguson agreed he would stop resisting efforts to meet with a court-appointed psychiatrist. As a result, Judge Belfi agreed to hold a third hearing as to whether Ferguson was mentally competent to stand trial or not.
1: On December 10th, Judge Belfi ruled Ferguson was competent to stand trial. Belfi said he based his decision in part on his conversations with Ferguson in the courtroom, including Ferguson's concern over Governor Pataki's promise to sign a death penalty bill.
2: Belfi strongly advised Ferguson against defending himself, but Ferguson said he intended to defend himself. QB said of the decision, quote, What we will have now is a complete circus. A crazy man cannot defend himself. Mr. Ferguson, evidence to the contrary, believes he is not guilty and that someone else killed all those people aboard the train. Without a psychiatric defense, Ferguson has no defense. There was no doubt that he was there, that he fired the weapon, that he would have fired it more if he had not been wrestled to the ground. There is no doubt that Colin Ferguson,
1: if sane, was
2: guilty, unquote. And
1: that's his attorney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ferguson's trial proved to be as bizarre as promised. It was broadcast live by local media and court TV, but was constantly overshadowed shadowed by the O.J. Simpson murder case going on simultaneously on the West Coast. This trial was so nuts that Saturday Night Live did a skit about it. Have
2: you seen it? I you haven't. Just Google, okay, just Google SNL skit and uh, Colin Ferguson, and uh, it's it's kind of funny because the uh, it's the black guy who does uh, the lovers man or the the ladies man. Okay, okay. Cavatier, Cavatier, <laughs> and um, anyway, he he was the black guy in SNL for a long time, and he he goes, uh, "Excuse me, Your Honor." I'd like to speak to my client. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> talking to himself. <laughs> yeah, talking to himself and like turning his head right and left. It, oh it was It's really funny. So Ferguson argued that the 93 count he was charged with were related to 1993, the year. And had it been in 1925, he would have been charged with only 25 pounds. <laughs> uh, okay he admitted he admitted bringing the gun onto the train but claimed that he fell asleep and another man grabbed his gun and began firing mm, yeah wow he <laughs> <you> don't say
1: <laughs> he also argued that a mysterious man named mr. Sue had information concerning a conspiracy against him he also mm. found another man Raul Diaz who told the media that he would testify that a mysterious Asian man pushed a computer chip into Ferguson Head, which activated him and incited the shooting spree. Diaz, <laughs> do, do,
2: do, transformers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Diaz did not end up testifying. <laughs> Among his defense witnesses, Ferguson requested was Bill Clinton, who was president. Wow. The-
2: <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, I mean, I don't. Uh, shout out to SNL for making this skit. I think <laughs> this uh-huh. whole thing is. So wild. Yeah. So wild. Bill Clinton, hello. (laughs) Now his cross-examination questions mostly started with, is it your testimony? And would simply force the witness to repeat testimony already given. When a witness refused to answer the question to his satisfaction, he would then ask the judge to admonish the witness to answer the question. (laughs)
1: That's (laughs) not how you do that. That, No, that's not how it's
2: done, son. Anybody anybody who watches any TV would know that.
1: (laughs) During the course of his cross-examinations, Ferguson would refer to himself in the third person, asking the victims of the shooting, quote, did you see Colin Ferguson, unquote, to which the witness would reply, quote, I saw you shoot me. Unquote. Yeah,
2: (laughs) he did it over and over (laughs) Over again. It was, everybody was getting so mad. I bet. So Ferguson originally sought to question himself on the witness stand, but ultimately (laughs) did not do so. Uh, He told the judge and media outlets he intended to call a number of witnesses that would prove his innocence, including a ballistic expert, a handwriting expert, and two regular eyewitnesses, but that they were afraid to come forward and take the stand.
1: Ultimately, he did not call any of those witnesses he also told judge Belfi of an alleged conspiracy by the oh. jewish De- defense league to kill him in prison if he were convicted he Whoa. said prison slaying of serial killer jeffrey dahmer was quote set up as a prelude against me unquote
2: wow yeah. now okay. i gotta i gotta say um, I love a good conspiracy and I especially love <laughs> black conspiracies because they make me laugh. Um and I was I was just thinking about like black compar- conspiracies compared to white ones. Um and before this case, I would have swore up and down black conspiracies are harmless because people don't get killed when black people believe a conspiracy, right? Like right. it's just it's just really funny. Dogs are racist. <laughs> um oh, oh, so I heard one the other day uh, a, a black scientist created uh, white people in a lab, uh, but but they're funny, right? It's the like, Wuhan
1: lab, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> something like that, uh, or that like um, ha- bl- women who have sex it may- having sex makes your butt bigger. Like just conspiracies. <laughs> like, they're funny, right? Yeah. But I'm thinking of white conspiracies, like PizzaGate. People get yeah. killed because Q- of PizzaGate. QAnon. Gate. Q-Anon. Yeah. People get killed because of those white ass Caucasian right. conspiracies. Right. But this. Colin Ferguson conspiracy is, I have to rethink my whole theory. So, yeah, yeah, it's not just funny, (laughs) funny games anymore. People (laughs) are dying thanks to black conspiracies as well. Oh, no. Okay. So, on February 17th, 1995, Ferguson was convicted of murder and attempted murder. He received 315 years and eight months to life, meaning his current earliest possible parole date is. August 6th, two thousand three hundred and nine. Wow. So hang in there, man. (laughs) At the sentencing, Judge Donald E. Belfy called Ferguson a selfish, self-righteous coward.
1: He also used the sentencing as an opportunity to criticize New York's controversial sentencing cap law, which would have capped Ferguson's sentence at 50 years had no one died in the massacre because all of the felonies he committed on the train were part of one occurrence. Therefore, all sentences would have been served concurrently and capped at 50 years. You
2: know, um, I see what he's trying to do, but no, mm. that ain't it. Yeah, yeah. Sir, now we're going to get into where are they now? Well, I'll tell you, Colin Ferguson is currently serving his sentence at the Attica Correctional Facility in upstate New York. He continues to get into fights with other inmates. And most notably, September 11th, 2011, he tried to start a prison riot with the goal of killing some of the correctional officers. He just hasn't learned yet. Hasn't
1: been rehabilitated. Nope. Hmm. Serial killer Joel Rifkin, a serial killer who killed up to 17 victims in the New York area in the late 90s. Have you heard of Rifkin? I haven't, no. Oh, okay, okay. Had a fight with Colin Ferguson in prison. Ferguson was using the phone and told Rifkin to be quiet. They argued and Ferguson told Rifkin, quote, I killed six devils and you only killed women, unquote. Rifkin responded, quote, yeah, but I had more victims, unquote. (laughs) (laughs) Ferguson punched him. (laughs) (laughs) This okay. <laughs> is so fucking ridiculous. What's,
2: what's the opposite of a hip hop air horn? Like a, <laughs> yeah. a juicy bark.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Because, uh, no, that, <laughs> this this guy, I just, wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That outrage over his crime sparked uh, the passage of a national assault weapons ban that lasted 10 years from 1994 to 2004 and probably should have been made permanent, oh, I yeah. will say. Yep. Oh, yeah. Agreed. Uh, yeah. Long Island nurse Carolyn McCarthy unseated the fool who represented Mineola in in the house of representatives hand handily when he inexplicably voted against that ban as though nothing had ever happened in his district to justify it. Now she remains there to this day. um, And she is a rare long Island Democrat who is a constant crusader for sensible gun
1: laws (laughs) okay okay (laughs) (laughs) okay so ferguson's only contribution to society is to the english language and it's an ugly one at that we now have the term spree killer which was popularized by his actions
2: well there's that there you go thanks thanks ferguson (laughs) so now we're going to get into what we think made him snap in our takeaways what are your thoughts beth tell us
1: well, I think he was brought up in privilege in Jamaica with uh-huh. the expectation that his life would be a certain way. And yep. when he lost his parents and his money and it turned out different, uh, he he couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, then he moved from a country that's majority black to a country that's majority white and riddled with racism and uh uh-huh. He lost his shit.
2: (laughs) Yeah, culture shock indeed. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: definitely a culture shock. And uh, his landlord, uh, Mr. Dennis... Uh, who we quoted earlier as saying all black people are discriminated against ask anyone and they'll tell you stories that will curl your hair but you can't take everything in life and say it's the product of racism. He took all his failures in life and gave it a name and made it a cause and that's kind of uh, you disagreed with him but I kind of agree with him. Hey so. man
2: equal opportunity safe space for all <laughs> thoughts and um, opinions.
1: Yeah so he was I think he was just enraged about yeah. racism which fair enough Enough, you know yeah yeah but oh yeah then everything that uh happened in his life uh he felt like was the product of racism and he just was pissed and uh yeah. i think he also had mental health issues we talked about that a lot yeah during mm-hmm, while mm-hmm. we were reading the uh script and mm-hmm. um I don't think those were ever addressed. And yeah. I also think the trial was handed oh, abominably. Yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. What is this, amateur hour? Yeah. <laughs> our,
1: our justice system uh, does not handle people with mental health issues in a way that's, uh, I think, just. Right. We just throw people in prison for the rest of their lives and leave it at that. I mean, a lot uh-huh. of times when people um, like that guy who uh, shot up the movie theater, I can't remember his name. Yes. Um, uh I don't remember either. During the Batman movie? Uh, yeah. He legit mm-hmm. had schizophrenia. He was yeah. insane. Yes. And he still, he got prison time, you know? Um, yeah. There should be something in the middle. I mean, I know they do put um, people in mental health facilities, but there should be something in the middle, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just don't think we we handle mental health very well in our country in any shape or form. And in the justice system, it's just as bad. And I doubt he's getting good mental health care in prison <laughs> yeah, yeah he did do something that's terrible but i don't think he was competent to stand trial and i don't think he should have been allowed to be his own, own attorney Um, I don't, I, I don't think he got a fair trial
2: i don't think he did either i also um i wanted to commend the lawyers who really pushed hearing they had multiple hearings to try right. to get his um competency um, re-evaluated, reconsidered by the judge. And I think the judge was eventually just like, uh
1: fine. Just yeah, let him do we'll what do he it. wants. But, but then, yeah, they...
2: But that that's a failure on the judge's part. Yeah, you know? I think so, too. Um, so uh, I think... Uh, also, he suffered uh, For I agree with you, Beth. Um, he suffered from a series of really challenging, even traumatic events that changed his life drastically, as you said, the, the loss of his parents so close together. Right. And then... Um, like uh, he came from this caribbean all-black country kind of like my mom and grew up in a privileged society that was mostly black and then he you know he fit in growing up yeah and he was at yeah. the top yeah and then he comes to the united states presenting as a poor black man any education he had any status he had is just meaningless when you get here. Yeah. yeah and racism in the u.s i am telling y'all it's It's a a whole other animal. And even the Nazis, remember we've talked about this before? The Nazis were like, hmm, how are we going to craft? Well, let's go to the U.S. to see how we can do this dividing and segregating people. And the Nazis were like, y'all over here in the United States are doing too much. <laughs> uh, and the, the, again, the, ch- the challenge of being an immigrant and the, and the culture shock of, of this place might've just been too much. Yeah. Um, and he lost his whole family and then he lost this little family that he created. Right. Um, and short, And it wasn't long after his divorce that he relocated started, to Long Island and then started whoa, losing
1: his shit. Yeah, yeah.
2: Losing his shit. Um, and then lastly, whenever racism or white supremacy is called out, let the gaslighting games begin. Right. And it's usually people and I also I say that because all the sources I cited all talked about his perceived feelings of racism and oppression like it wasn't real like it was in his head and it's not yeah (laughs) and it's usually those comments come from people or the gaslighting comes from people who have never experienced racism or people who are incapable of having empathy
1: for how harmful
2: that experience can be Take notes from Ben
1: (laughs) now and then (laughs) uh, I wanted to mention like coming from Jamaica Uh which is a a whole different uh society coming to the U.S. he probably saw it More than uh, people who are born and lived here, because we're just used to it, you know. Yes, yes,
2: yes, yeah. Like how, like how can you let somebody exactly treat you this way? And and
1: people are are just like, well, that's just the way it is, you know. Yeah, it's not that way when he was. That's not his experience, so he could probably see it. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot easier yeah
2: yeah more clearly than than maybe somebody who's just like oh that's just that's kind of just the way it is dude. Right. We just we just keep it moving we just ignore and it yeah yeah so we, I, I can also see coming here and being like wait a minute this is unacceptable yeah uh, yeah <laughs> um but as as we said it uh, it affects ra- racism and discrimination and oppression affects every aspect of humanity including physical and mental health right so he had all these mental health challenges I think because of the the big T's and the little T's in his life, but then being here um kind of just blew it up. Right. Uh and uh racism is and and discrimination doesn't necessarily mean like being beaten up or having a flame a flaming cross on your lawn. Sometimes right. it's just, just little as simple things. as yeah. Um somebody not treating you with respect. Yeah. Day. Calling yeah. a racial slur. Um and yeah it just it adds up. So yeah. now we're gonna get into how not to get murdered. If you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. This is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's experiences.
2: So one of my favorite black, Ad Pod- black ass podcasts is getting grown. And um, and it is... uh. They This week in their recording, they talked about um, how we can all stay safe, and they just um, came up with a couple suggestions. They're oldies, but goodies, but just a couple quick reminders. Buddy up. Um, if you don't have a buddy with you and you're out late at night on your own, stay on the phone with somebody oh, until you, idea. like, get yeah. into your car or get into a safe space. So if something happens, they're like, uh-oh, something happened. Better call the authorities. <laughs> um, have people close to you, like like neighbors or something, somebody within earshot. like. Um, so if something happens in your domicile, your apartment, your home, and somebody hears you like shouting for help, um, if you especially if you live alone that
1: they can right. help you. Beth
2: Beth, do you have somebody in earshot? <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay, just <laughs> I,
1: have, I have I know <laughs> a lot of my neighbors yeah.
2: okay, okay, good. same. And then um, uh, you know, and it's also extra eyes around you like, hey, Something's, I haven't seen Beth come out of her home in three weeks. Is she okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> um, another one is uh, pull into your garage and close the door immediately. Don't get out of the car till you close it and make sure there's nobody who followed you in. Um, they talked about an Alpha 4 stun gun, which is something to just keep, like, in your car, by the door, in your purse, um, there are safety classes online. Um, there is a, a, a video that was going around last week on the on the internet where a woman was walking into her par- or walking into her apartment building and went into her apartment so quick she opened the door and slammed it on somebody's face who was. He followed her into oh the my building gosh. Wow. trying to rob her. It was amazing how quick, quick she was, but she had her keys handy, you know, to either use it as in, a weapon yeah. or get into her apartment really right. quickly. Uh, and that, by the way, that phenomenon of somebody sneaking into a building behind somebody who just opened the door is called piggybacking. Oh. So be on the lookout for it. Beth, what you say, oh, our, our job has these safety trainings all the I time. Know. You know, uh, <laughs> I
1: I was just, uh, thinking about that. We had that safety video and they talked yeah. about piggybacking. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It can happen at work, but it can also even more scary happen at your home. So yeah. uh, pay attention. And then, um, yeah. So when you enter a place, whether it's familiar to you or not, make sure the door is closed behind you and that nobody followed you. And if somebody is like following you and is unfamiliar, uh, you know, hey, just tell them, hey, like you can go around to the front to get get, you know, get what you need. I'm not going to whether you live here or not. I'm not. I, I don't know you. I'm GTFO. not going to let you in. Yeah. Bye. Uh, And then I'll save this other one for the next episode okay. because we're running long. Yeah. So now it's shout out time <laughs> <laughs> where we shout out any content about or by any other to marginalized groups of peop of people and any true crime goodies. I just wanted to shout out. On Netflix, Hoop Schemes. It's an episode of a show about a gambler who's a rich white guy and a bunch of young black underprivileged college. Basketball players who pl- played college basketball at ASU in 1994, and ASU is all of a sudden like winning, but they're winning by like really weird numbers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was clear that they were point shaving. And it, the the episode is like an hour long, so it's kind of like a movie. And it describes how that scandal all went down. And this is where this was great because old Whitey loves sports, and <laughs> I love true crime, and our worlds collided. It Yay! was the most romantic night ever. Yeah. <laughs> (laughs) So, poop schemes on Netflix. Right on.
1: (laughs) So, I haven't uh, been watching anything lately because I haven't had the time.
2: Uh huh. (laughs) Unfortunately.
1: uh Yeah. But I I just wanted to say I can't wait to see Dune, the movie Dune. Me too. I am so excited. Yeah. I didn't
2: know it was a book. Did you read the book? You read the book? Yeah. Yeah. I read the book
1: a long, long time ago. So, I don't remember everything. I also watched the movie that was made in i think 1984 and it sucked oh it shit. was a david lynch movie and i don't i don't like david lynch he's just, okay yeah don't care okay. it was ben bad says he
2: sucks so david lynch suck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but this one has been getting really good reviews and uh jason momoa's in it and uh, oh, yeah. zendaya so yeah Woo! exciting She's
2: my yeah favorite little brown girl no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Zendaya,
2: I, I look at Zendaya and I'm like that is what Kylie Jenner is like trying to be like it's yeah. like that is just like naturally trying and awesome, failing amazing <laughs> like you know what I mean so, yes, yes yes we love Zendaya we love 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 and yeah. Momoa. oh my gosh yeah so, so. And it's got a Diverse cast, yep. A, which is exciting. And um, it's sci fi. We'll and yeah, and,
1: uh, yeah it's, the story is really complex. So I, I'm not sure how it's going to translate. That's I think that's why the David Lynch movie, well, one of the reasons why it sucked, but also <laughs> because he's just weird. And, okay. <laughs> But, um, I, from what I read, they're, they're cutting the story into three parts. So it's going to be like, uh, Lord of the Rings. There's going to be, it's going to be a (gasps) three-parter. Oh
2: my God. That's even more exciting. I know. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Um, well, I'm just saying, if you do get around to it, you should let me know. I will. And, um, we not saying we should watch it together, but maybe we could do a recap someday. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, All right. Well, that's all for today. Beth, going to miss you. But until then, where can the people find us?
1: Our website is FruitLoopsPod.com. Our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod. And our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod. And links to our sources will be in our footnotes. If you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash App. Just Google Fruit Loops Pod Cash App. Or you can become a monthly patron through Podbean. This will help us pay for things like our website and pod hosting there's no minimum and no commitment even a dollar would help and as always we have merch for sale on our website yes and our phone number is 602
2: 935 602 now what?
1: this <laughs> what? <laughs> I just wrote a song for our phone number so I more know, people but- will call. <laughs> but- <laughs> I think you got the phone number wrong though. I did? <laughs> yeah. No. Aww. Uh 6294. I think you said 60294. 602935.
2: 602. Nope.
1: 94.
2: Oh nope. wait, 62. Okay. six zero. Okay. 602. Okay nine nine three five six two two nine four nine four we'll get it we'll get it eventually okay, okay. Yeah. day, i'll try it again next week all right well this is a weekly podcast and new episodes drop every thursday so until next time look alive y'all it's crazy out there <laughs>